everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back. This is your go-to podcast for anyone craving fresh ways to apply God's word to your everyday life. Together, we'll see how our ordinary and even messy moments can become platforms for the miraculous. And today, I am with my special guest, Sharon Wilharm. I'm so excited about our conversation, and you're going to love her. And she just has so many unique things to share with us today. I'm so excited for you to talk with her. And I want to just let you know that later this month, I will have my special guest, Iron Man Blue Angel Greg Woldridge on this, this podcast, and you will not want to miss his powerful testimony. He was a career naval officer, and he had the distinction of being selected to lead the Navy's precision aerobatic team, the Blue Angels, a record three times. He was miraculously given a second chance at life, and through a harrowing near-death experience, he found salvation in Jesus. You're not going to want to miss his powerful story. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode, you can reach out to me at AngelaDonatio.com and we would love to have you. So I want to get right to letting you know who Sharon is. She might be new for you and it's an honor for me to have connected with her and I cannot wait for you to meet her. She is a Christian speaker. She's a women's ministry leader. She is a popular media guest and she's an award-winning female filmmaker whose faith-based films have screened in theaters and television, festivals, and churches around the world. So welcome, Sharon. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you, Angela. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm getting the luxury of seeing you and getting a chance to talk to you before we started today, but you know, there might be some in our listening audience who don't, you know, aren't familiar with you, haven't met you yet. So tell us all the things about you, where you're from, and I know some exciting things have happened in your family lately, too. Yes, so uh, I grew up in Destin, Florida, but I have lived in the Middle Tennessee, Nashville area since 2006, and my husband and I spent a little over a decade making uh, independent faith-based films, and we released our last one in 2018, and then Mm. last year I took over as Women's Ministry Director at our church, which I absolutely love so much, and then personally, uh, we have, uh, my husband and I have been married for 29 years, and have one daughter who is married to a pastor, and they just had a baby last week. Yay, congratulations, boy or girl? Girl. A girl. Oh, yes, so nine cool. pounds, five ounces. Ooh, big baby. <laughs> How many grandkids do you have? This is it. This is oh, that was your first yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so exciting. Yay, congratulations. <laughs> I have two kids, but no grandkids yet. I know you mentioned that you... Um, have been, you know, a female filmmaker, you and your husband for over a decade. I was just curious, like, what were some of your favorite filmmaking experiences? And how did you experience the miraculous, maybe in one of those situations? Well, first, I think the whole just doing films is a miraculous event um, in itself because it's so monumental. But what I love the most about filmmaking is the people that we met, Mm. Uh, the actors, the cast and the crew, because to me, it is just as important the making of the movie as the finished product because Mm. God works so much behind the scenes and it, it comes across, I think. And so we took it very seriously who to cast. And so we would pray very carefully for each and every cast member. 
And it was so cool to see how God would put together just the right people for that movie, knowing, you know, what we needed. So many wonderful examples of how this person needed to be connected with this person. So they, you know, God would put them both on our set. We, we did Providence, which is the movie before this. It takes place over 40 years. And so we have two main characters. It's a love story. And so we have actors that played the young, the teen, and the adult. And so we had to cast actors that, you know, could pass as each other at different stages. And so we had the adult, uh, we had everything cast. And then like two weeks before we were supposed to film, the guy who was supposed to be adult Mitchell had to back down. And so here we are, you know, we've got two weeks to find another actor and he has to look like his team, his young version, <laughs> and, you know, do all this. And so we had been talking with Rich Swingle, um, because, but he had found out about it too late and, you know, and so then he was like, well, I'd love to do that, but this was a local role and he lived in New York City and we're like, and it, it involved going back and forth, but he was like, no, I really want to make this happen. And so he did. And um, he just brought this spiritual depth to the set that was so amazing. And I just can't imagine making a movie without him. Hmm. But um, then when it got time to release, we had all of our movies before that, we had just released straight to DVD. And, um, or we had had like TV on some of the Christian stations, but we wanted to do a theatrical and we had never done theatrical. And so we started praying about it. We were just going to do like a local theatrical, but we started looking into it and we ran across online where it said AMC independent. And I said, if you have an independent film and you'd like it to be considered to be shown in AMC theaters, just fill out this form. And we're like, okay, here we have this faith-based love story. And it was silent. And it was our second silent feature film, which nobody does silent film. So it's, you know, wow. really yeah. and we knew from before that this was going to be really hard to market, but we're like, you know what, what have we got to lose? So late one night I fill out the form and I'm literally laughing the whole time I'm filling it out. Like, this is so crazy. They are not going to be interested. And a few hours later they responded and said, Hey, we need to see your marketing plan and we'd like to watch the movie. And we're like, okay, well, we didn't have a marketing plan because we weren't planning on, you know, AMC showing the movie. <laughs> we put together something and um, sent it to them and we got accepted. Hmm. And so we're like, okay, obviously this is God. And the way it worked is that they said, okay, pick some theaters. Um, and then each theater would decide whether they would show that or not. And God had put together for that movie actors from all over the United States, which was perfect because we had no AMC theaters in Tennessee. Mm, <laughs> and, so, wow. and so I asked the actors, I'm like, okay, we're, you know, what theaters should we um, submit to things where we might have a good basis? We'll just work around y'all. And Rich says, okay, how about the AMC Empire? It's at Times Square in New York City. Like, yeah. Rich, seriously, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, we were thinking Atlanta. You know? Sure, a smaller you know, hub. Yeah. Like that. And so Rich is like, well, what have you got to lose? And it's like, you're right. So we submitted, and they were the first theater that accepted us. Mm. And we were like, that's crazy. And then Rich is like, well, here, let me tell you this story. And he said that when he and his wife had moved to uh, Manhattan, I think it was like eight years before that, and they had gone to see a movie at that theater. And as he was going down the escalator, he had prayed. He said, God, someday let me be going down this escalator after having seen myself in a movie. Hmm. He had never been in a movie before. He was a professional actor, but he was a stage actor that toured around the world doing uh. a one-man show. And so from that point on, he started doing films and he had been in several films, including a couple of bigger ones like Alone Yet Not Alone and Beyond the Mask. Sure. They weren't shown at that theater. 
Ours was his first leading man romantic role, and that's the one that got in there. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah, and, it, and I love that, how God connects the dots. Like, you didn't even know each other. God yes. had promised him, you know, this was a desire of his heart. You take a chance on something. And, you know, I read on your website, and I've watched a couple of interviews where you talk about that you were a reluctant filmmaker. <laughs> and you even said you hated it at one point. So, you know, for those of us that are not filmmakers, it sounds so glamorous. I'm in musical theater. I've played for a lot of musical theater shows. And my daughter has been in a couple films. Um, and it's, it's a similar and yet still different process, doing a film set versus a live, you know, production. But I, I was just struck by your saying, you know, you were very reluctant to do this. So, you know, the title of this episode is Giving God Our Yes. And, you know, there's so many of our listeners that sometimes are reluctant to maybe say yes to God. Maybe they're afraid or maybe they don't know what that ask is really going to mean. So I would love to just hear you talk about, you know, what did you mean by a reluctant filmmaker or why did you say that you hate it? There must have been something else you felt like you had planned to do with your life. And this, was this an interruption or was this a redirection? I, I just, I want to hear all the things about that. Well, I thought I was going to go into ministry. I thought that I was going to marry a preacher. And I just felt like this is what God, you know, had in store for me. And when I was in my senior year of college, um, we were at a BCM big, you know, rally kind of thing. And this guy was giving this, you know, kind of a call to service um, sermon. And all my friends, like a lot of people were going forward saying, I feel God calling me into, you know, ministry. And, you know, like, I, I want to be a preacher. I'm going to be a music minister. I feel God calling me to youth. And I really felt God calling me to do something. And I was like, oh, this is great. God, what are you calling me to do? And it was like, he spoke so clearly and said, I can't tell you because what I'm calling you to do, you don't even know exists. Like, what does that mean? And so then um, a few months after that, a friend and I were um, coming home from church on a Sunday night and it was late. And it was, as I was staring at this dark road ahead of me, suddenly I had this vision and I, I don't have visions in my life, but you know, at this point I saw this vision and I was like on the stage and it was this packed crowd and I was up there on the stage, but the lights were down. And so I couldn't see who was in the audience. Um, I just knew that I was talking to him and I was like, Oh God, you're calling me to be a speaker. Oh, that's great. You know, I'm so excited. This is cool. Who am I speaking to? And what, a, you know, what am I saying? And God didn't give me anything. So I spent like the next several decades thinking I'm going to go into ministry and I'm going to be speaking. And then, um, I, it didn't work out the way I thought. So then I was ready to go to seminary. And before I got to seminary, a friend of mine from church asked me out and I didn't have anything better to do. So I went out with them and I, I told him up front, I'm like, don't get attached to me because I'm leaving. And I'm never coming back. <laughs> and just don't worry about the it. The plan like, was all made. Yeah. 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 And we got engaged uh, like a month later. <laughs> wow. And got married. And I remember walking down the aisle going, God, this doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm supposed to be in ministry. I'm supposed to marry a preacher. And this man is never going to be a preacher. I just know it. And, um, but I'm like, I knew this was who I was supposed to marry. And I didn't realize until I knew, but I didn't really, that he had a degree in broadcast communications and he had always wanted to, to make movies and he had given it up by that point. And it wasn't until we were 10 years later that we started making movies. 
I didn't have a desire to make movies. I had a desire to be in ministry and to do these other things. And so when we made our first movie, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. He was just making a documentary about our local town's history. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And somehow or another, it evolved into me writing and directing and acting in it, starring in it. So I was like, I hate this. And I'm never going to make another movie again because hmm. I don't like doing things I'm not good at. And then 10 years later, God had us making another movie. And I was just like, I hate this. And it was because I wasn't good at it. And I'm like, mm. I'm like why would you make me do something that I'm not good at? And then God said, well, get good at it. <laughs> it kind of changed my perspective. And so I'm like, okay, obviously this is what God wants me to do. So I'll give it my best. You know, sometimes I think we compartmentalize ministry. We, we might think it's only a platform ministry or it's only pastoring a church, but you know, ministry can take so many different forms. And as you were saying that, I, I could see how your filmmaking has really been a ministry. It probably was a very different way about, uh, you know, going about it than what you pictured. But when you look back, do you see it as ministry now, or do you see it as a specific season that God called you to? No, it really was that, it really was the ministry. And when I look back, when I was like, I'm going to be doing something, but I don't know what it is. It, that's what I know he was talking mm -hmm. about. And what was so cool is that we were at one of our movie um, premieres and it was at our church and it was, you know, in a big auditorium and it was packed and I was up on the stage and introducing the movie and I couldn't see the audience uh. because it was dark. And all of a sudden it was like, this is it, God, this is what you were telling me that I was supposed to do. I wasn't traveling the world speaking to people, but our movies were going all over the world. Mm. You know, missionaries have used our movies and, you know, our movie screen and all these other countries and, and all these towns and these places and, and film festivals. Our films have been in these secular film festivals that are like Raj Horror and us. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know why, you know, but that's how God has spoken. So he used me in ministry, just not the way I thought it looked. Yeah. Almost like in a missionary in missions for your yes. films to be the vehicle that the gospel was going into all these different places. And I love how for you, the obstacle was, I don't feel good at this. I can, I can empathize with that. If I don't feel really <laughs> competent at something or it's something I've studied or, you know, I've practiced and rehearsed, I I'm very reluctant to give God my yes. And there was just a point, I guess, for you that when he said that to you, then you put feet to that to say, okay, what do I need to do to be up to this task that God is calling me to, right? And yeah. I'm sure there's different obstacles for different, different people of why we're reluctant to really step out and do something that's maybe far outside of our comfort zone, you probably would have never dreamt then that your movies would be literally all over the world. I mean, what an amazing result of, of just simply saying yes to God. And, and it's obvious that it's God. You know, I think that's mm. why, because he needed to humble me so that it wasn't like I am doing this. It's mm. like God is saying, you know, it's just like David and Goliath, you know, he's taken this young boy and it was obvious that it was God doing it, but it was cool because I can see where he gave me these skills. You know, I was already writing before I started writing movies. I was a journalist, you know, mm. I had a teaching background and the directing, you know, and so he took all these pieces 
but he always made it obvious that this is what I'm doing. I'm just mm. allowing you to do this. But it was all about God, not about me. Did you write all the films as well yeah. then? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And even as you're saying that, I think we go through life and you said it had been decades, you know, that it had passed and you're kind of waiting on, <laughs> and we wait on one thing that we think is going to happen. Meanwhile, God has this whole other plan. But then as we look back, we see all these kind of puzzle pieces that were all over the table that felt disconnected. And yet God in his providence had a plan all along to use every single one of those yeah. aspects of your life. You know, that's just a really beautiful picture of his, um, just his plan all along, you know, and I think we can buck God's plan for whatever reason, fear or, or, you know, hesitation, but his plan ultimately is always so much better than ours. Haven't you found that to be the case when you look back on it now? Oh, definitely. And I love the platform that he gave, you know, through movies. And I, I just love, I think of all the different people that we've met and all the different mm. things that we've done, the places that we've been able to go to because of the movies. And I'm just very thankful that he, that he didn't give me what I asked for, that he gave me something so much better. Oh, I love that. How do you encourage other women, especially, or men that are listening to, to take those kind of risks when you know God is in them and to have that kind of faith, even if he's calling you to be a trailblazer, do you feel like there's something that really helped you to step out in those areas? Sometimes it's just because I've seen that God is faithful when he calls me, like my worst fear is to be out of God's will. You know, like mm. I do not want to be Job. Um, I mean, not Job, Jonah. <laughs> running yeah. away from yeah. God. I don't want to be caught in a storm because I'm running away from God. I always want to make sure I'm saying yes. And I mean, throughout life, God has called me to do all kinds of crazy things, you know, and I'm just like, why are, why are we doing this? But it's worth it. And so if we just get over that fear and just do it and trust that he's going to show us why we're doing this, you know, he's going to take care of us. To me, it's a much safer place than trying to run from him. That's so true. And I think sometimes if we're analytical, we want to figure it all out, have the whole plan <laughs> and he just wants us to step out and then he'll make that plan, you know, evident. How rewarding to, to go from an, a place of reluctancy and, and uncertainty. And then to see the fruit of that, you know, and that just, I feel like that's so encouraging to people that are just teetering on, should I step out in this? Should I say yes to God? Or they're hesitating or they're waiting. Like you're not going to always know everything. You take that first step. And then later you look back and you think, wow, look what God did, you know, with my yes, he breathes on our yes. When we're just and he understands sometimes they're very timid yeses or they're, you know what I mean? They're laced yeah. with uncertainty, but he, he can take those, those moments of obedience on our part. And, and, you know, I wanted to ask you as well, you know, I'm a survivor of two near death health challenges. And, and then when there were some moments in those dark seasons that God asked for my yes, and I didn't want to give it, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're bitter or you're confused or reluctant, as you said. And, um, you know, we can just go through difficult seasons where God asks things of us that we may think are too much to ask. And they really aren't. Because like you said, he's going to empower us, he's going to equip us. But in those moments, our own fear or our own pain can obscure our ability to really trust his character. And I just wonder, have you seen this in your own life to where God 
can take those moments and turn them into purpose. You know, how have you seen it in your own life and how can those that are listening believe that God could take even their mess and use it to be catalyst for change in someone else's life? I always reach a point when we're making the movies, like we're filming and I'm on a certain amount of adrenaline because I'm actively involved. You know, I'm doing the casting, I'm the directing and doing all that. And then it gets to the editing part. And that's when my husband takes over. And so he's doing the editing and raw footage. It doesn't always look pretty. Raw footage that you have is nothing like the finish that it's going to eventually look like. And so when we're having to go through that, I get really, really depressed and I'm just like, don't make me look at this, you know? And I'm all I can see is how horrible it looks. And then I start worrying about, you know, why'd we make this piece of junk? You know? wow. <laughs> I don't want to look at it. And I was convinced that I was like spiritual because it was like, oh, well, God must be giving me this sense of dread. Mm. <laughs> and then finally it was like, no, God is light. God is not dark. I think when I finally had to just tell myself God is light and just focus on God is good. God has a plan. But I think so often we're, we're looking at the raw footage of our lives and going, God, this is a mess. This is horrible. I, nothing can happen from this. There's no good that's going to come from it. And God's like, I'm still working on it. I'm still, you know, it's a work in progress. It's going to come together. I promise you. Oh, I love that. I've heard like the tapestry before, you know, how you flip a tapestry over and you see the back of it and you see all the loose threads, but I've never thought about it from, you know, not being a filmmaker. I've never thought about even the process of what you're describing just gives us hope. We see the raw footage, but God sees the finished product. And if he's calling us to it, then he's going to bring us through those seasons, you know, where it just feels raw and undone. That is our own flesh that just kicks in and says, you know, do you have this God? Do you have this God? Do you have this God? And, and, and he's already knows what that finished beautiful piece is going to look like, you know, when we're done, don't just focus on the raw footage, focus on the finished product of what God is going to do. And, and I know you love to speak to women. I know you love to share and encourage women. So you know, what Bible character inspires you the most and, and why would you say that? I love Deborah mm. and how, you know, she was a warrior, uh, <laughs> not meaning to be, but it's just, she was where she was supposed to be doing what she was supposed to be doing. And God used this woman in a mighty way. What I loved about writing the women in Fearless is I think sometimes we have these misconceptions, like you said, that women were wallflowers and silent and, you know, and, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. They were strong and brave and courageous. And, you know, Deborah was a reluctant warrior. She had no intention <laughs> of going into battle. So you say I'm a reluctant fear filmmaker or people are saying I'm, I'm reluctant to give God my yes. But, you know, once she did, um, you know, they were victorious because of that. And it's, it's pushing through. It's pushing through those places where we're reluctant and believing that God is going to use us and use our yes to do something amazing. And and how, how humbling is that to know that we get to partner with God? You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't have to use us, Sharon, right? I mean, he could use anybody, but he chooses to use us. He's chosen to use you and your films and, and the stories. I mean, I think of Jesus being a storyteller. How many parables did he tell? <laughs> there were stories, you know, and still today people learn and 
you know, we'll, we'll hear great sermons and we may not hear every point or remember every point, but we remember the story that was told and the power of, of telling a story. And, and I know God's using you to do that. What I love is I, I'll have to go back and listen. How many times you said, I, did, I didn't know what it was going to look like, or I don't know what it's going to look like. I love just that. It's almost like childlike faith that you have to say, I don't know what this looks like, but I know God has called me to it. So the first step of just saying, okay, God, if you've asked me to do this, then you're going to breathe on my yes. And I'm willing, you know, to, to push past the places of reluctancy. Well, I've been inspired by listening to you. You just challenged me to just believe for more and not to look at the raw footage of our life and not to be discouraged by the raw footage of our life. I think the raw footage can feel so discouraging. You know, we look on Facebook or Instagram or social media and we see these polished lives and we feel so unpolished. We feel so undone, but that's, that's not real life. That's the highlight reel. You know what I mean? And yeah. so the highlight reel versus the raw footage, the raw footage can be those places that we end up feeling depressed, like you said, and down and discouraged, but, but God is writing our story. Ultimately he wrote your story. I know you wrote these stories in these films, <laughs> but, but he wrote your stories, yeah. continuing to write your story. And I know he's writing the stories of those that are listening today and do not feel discouraged if you don't see the whole picture yet, just to keep moving forward. And you probably won't know till heaven, Sharon, and you bump shoulders with these missionaries that showed these films and you get to maybe meet faces that are in heaven because of the stories that you wrote, because of the yes that you gave God. And you know, that's the encouragement I want our listeners to have is someone's life could be changed when you give God your yes. Thank you for being here today. I'm just going to invite you to pray over our listeners, especially anyone who might just be in that kind of raw footage season and just pray encouragement over them or however the Lord leads you to just kind of close out our time together. Lord God, we just come to you and we ask that you be with those who are listening, who are who are struggling right now, who are feeling discouraged, who are trying to figure it all out, Lord, and it, and it just doesn't make sense, and they just can't see, maybe they can't see your hand, Lord, and they're just wondering if, you, if you've forgotten about them, if you care. And Lord, just please remind them of how much you love them and how much you care and how much you're working behind the scenes when we don't see it. Because I just thank you that you see the big picture and that you know where we're going and where we need to be. And I just thank you for all those times, Lord, that you've done stuff that I may never know until um, I get to heaven when I see how you did that and I didn't even realize. And so I ask that you be with us that are in those dark times, that you just bring them to the light, Lord, and fill them with your love and give them the courage to say yes. Just give them the strength that they need, overcome their fears so that they can live abundantly in you. In Christ I pray, amen. so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected. So be sure to visit AngelaDenadio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at AngelaDenadioBOV and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. If you've been inspired to make life matter, 
leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.